Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Historic Pinstripe Show, Episode 8. Again, my name is Brian, and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was 7 years old. Thank you for listening to last week's episode on the top 5 Yankees second baseman of all time and why. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it or some of the other episodes, feel free to go back and listen to them if you would like. And also, if you would like to, feel free to go on Twitter and uh, let me know your top 5 um, the, tw- the Twitter handle is at HistoricNYY. Also, you can uh, comment on Facebook at the Historic Pinstripes Show, on Instagram at Historic Pinstripes, and you can also email us at historicpinstripes at gmail.com. But as always, the goal of the Historic Pinstripes Show is to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and greatest Yankees moments in Yankees history. But today... We are going to focus on the top five Yankees third baseman of all time and why. And again, feel free to send us your top five Yankees third basements uh, at the, at our Twitter handle at historic and or any of the other social media sites that I've, I've told you already. All right, let's get going to the top five Yankee third baseman of all time and why. Number one we're going to discuss is Cleet Boyer. And right now, we're going to leave the rankings for later in the show. But we're going to discuss the third baseman first. Cleet Boyer was a defensive wizard for the New York Yankees. Um, well, basically, he probably wasn't the the best. There was only one guy that was probably better than him, and that was Greg Nettles. However, Cleet Boyer was a great defensive third baseman as well. Um, and actually, if you look at his career defensive war, it was higher, a little bit higher than Nettles. Um, and Nettles... Uh, Career, his defensive war for 1976 was just a little bit higher than uh, than um, Cleet Boyer's was in 1961. And actually, they're among the tops in all of baseball, really, if you look at Major League history. And I, I believe uh, Cleet Boyer's like 40 in... Oh, no, wait. And yeah, in career defensive war, Cleet Boyer's 40 in defensive war among in MLB history. And uh, Greg Nettles is 41. But... And um, for a single season, it's a little bit higher than that, I believe, um, for 1961 and 1976. And it's, uh, the defensive war for those particular seasons. Um, but anyways, uh, back to uh, Cleet Boyer. Um, his full name was Cletus Leroy Boyer. Um, he's from Missouri, Alba, Missouri, to be exact. He made his debut for the Kansas City Athletics at the um, in the year 1955. And he actually won a gold glove in, in Atlanta in 1969. Um, but he had never won a gold glove before that. I think the gold gloves actually started, might have started just after he started his career. I'm not sure exactly when they started giving out the gold glove awards. Um, but anyways, he was a great defender despite just winning one gold glove. Um, and he was a two-time World Series champion. I believe he made it to five World Series with the Yankees. Um, and he was a right-handed hitter. Um, as far as his career goes, he played eight seasons, eight seasons with the New York Yankees from 1959 to 1966. And I believe he went on to play a few more seasons with Atlanta and he played a few more seasons before he came to the Yankees, I think for Kansas city. Yeah. For just the Kansas city A's, I believe. Um, anyways, in his career, he had 5,780 at bats, uh, 1,396 hits, 162 home runs, had a 242 uh, batting average, 86 OPS plus. So I mean, he didn't. Um, he wasn't there for his bat. He was there for his glove. 
but he was still, um, you know, he was a decent hitter, uh, but he just wasn't, it wasn't what he was, it wasn't his, his thing to, his, his, his glove was what really kept him in the lineup. Um, however, I mean, I'm sure he had some big hits. And then actually, if you look him up in the postseason, he's, he did have some very big hits. Um, anyways, yeah, and he also came through with his glove as well, kind of like Nettles uh, to some extent. And also, uh, in his eight seasons with the New York Yankees from 1959 to 1966, he had 95 home runs, 30, 393 RBIs, 200, a 241 batting average, and um, 882 hits, and 4,037 at-bats. So he definitely played the majority of his career with the Yankees. Um, if you look at his career numbers, he he did have some, a couple. There was like maybe one or two years with Atlanta. He might have had better than maybe his best year, um, which was 1962 with the Yankees. Um, but, I mean, at the time, he was a right-handed hitter. He did play in old Yankee Stadium, which was, you know, on right-handed hitters. That was that was, that was was tough to play in. Um, but anyways, I mean, he wasn't, like I said, he was there for his defense and his glove. But, I mean, he could hit, too. I mean, 242 is not, I mean, you know, he wasn't like an all-star offensive third baseman. Uh, but he was... Uh, um, to be able to hit 242, you still got to be able to 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 stay in the big leagues, and you could. Um, it's not easy being in the major leagues, you know. Anyways, moving on, Clint Boyer in the postseason helped the Yankees win two World Series, and he brought them to five Worlds, five uh, five, and he brought the Yankees to four four World Series. And actually, the he was in another series with Atlanta in 1969, the Atlanta Braves lost to the New York Mets, um, and that was in the, the League Championship Series. Um, in his postseason career, however, he played 30 games, had two home runs, 14 RBIs, and had a two twenty one batting average. Um, so, I mean, overall, I guess it's not too bad considering it was the postseason. Every pitch is magnified. Um, so, I mean, considering the batting average is not great, but that doesn't necessarily mean he didn't have clutch hits because it what matters most is when you get the hits and not necessarily how many times you get the hits. His best series came in 1961 and 1962. 1962, he hit 318, had a 333 on base percentage, had one home run, four RBIs, and 11 total bases. Game one of 1962 in the World Series, he had a go ahead home run in the seventh inning and he helped the Yankees take a 3 2 lead off of Giants pitcher Billy O'Dell. And um, then later in the game, he had a sack fly in the eighth inning to add an insurance run, and the Yankees won five to two. And that was the sack fly was off of Don Larson, the former Yankee pitcher who, the only pitcher who's ever pitched a World Series perfect perfect game in the World Series, 1956. But he was on the San Francisco Giants at that point. I believe they had already moved from New York in '62. But anyways, and um, in Game Four in the 1962 World Series. Um, the uh, Cleet Boyer tied the game in the sixth inning on an RBI single off Bobby Bolin. Um, however, they, uh, the Giants ended up still going on to win the game. Um, but the series, and the, but the series um, uh, would be helped out because Cleet Boyer, you know, the Yankees ended up winning the '62 World Series and one of the rings that he helped them win. So that was a big, big hit for him right there. In the '62 series, and and of course in the '61 series too. From what I've heard, obviously I didn't see Cleet Boyer play, but I've heard a lot from my dad and from my uncle and other Yankee fans who have 
who saw Clint Boyer play is that they I've heard a lot about how I guess he was kind of like uh, Greg Dennels, uh, the kind of, I kind of mentioned before, and, and like in the '78 World Series, they said Greg Dennels was all over the Dodgers. Anytime they hit the ball to third base, they couldn't get it by him. And I guess that was kind of like Cleet Boyer a little bit to some degree with the Reds in 1961. Maybe not quite to the extent uh, that like of every single pitch, um, every single maybe not as many balls were going to Cleet Boyer, but I guess he he made some really good plays over there. And actually, if you go on YouTube and um, you Google the 1961 World Series, you can actually find some footage from the games, and that has like a it's like a highlight reel of all of them. So it's kind of cool if you like looking back at old baseball footage and stuff. Anyways, moving on, we got Greg Nettles, number nine. Greg Nettles also helped the Yankees to two World Series title titles, um, and he helped them to four World Series. Um, actually, he helped them to three World Series. His fourth World Series that he went to was with the Padres. Um, and also, his nickname was Puff. And the reason why they called him Puff was because, I, well, from what I've heard, um, like in Yankeeography and documentaries, it was because, I guess, whenever whenever he, I guess he would say something to someone and he would get their attention or something, and then he, they would turn, look over, and then it'd be poof, and he'd leave, and then that's how they got the name Puff, because um, he would just walk away or whatever. So, anyways, I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, but, like I said before, too, like with Cleet Boyer, you know, Cleet Boyer and Greg Daniels were among the top two, um, or one of the top five, anyway, in defensive war in Yankee history. Um, and they were the top two defensive war um, career and uh, in a single season um, for third baseman um, in Yankee history. And, uh, but anyways, uh, Greg Nettles also played 22 seasons in his entire career. I believe he started around 1967 or so with the Minnesota Twins. He played 11 seasons with the Yankees. But after the Twins, and actually when he was with the Twins, um, one of his managers was, I don't know if it was his first manager, it might have been, but it was Billy Martin. And uh, he ended up staying with the Twins for a while. I don't think he played third base all the time. I think he played some outfield, third base, and first base or something like that uh, uh but then he went on to uh to they traded him to the twi- uh the Indians I mean and that's where he started playing a lot more for uh third base and obviously that was his uh main position anyway so we really get to show what he could do there and a f- few years later around 1974 he got traded to the Yankees and in his Yankees career he had 5519 at bats this is in 11 seasons um, 1,396 hits in his career with the Yankees, and he's 10th on the all-time list for the Yankees in home runs with 250. He has 390 in his entire career, um, and he had 834 uh, runs batted in as well in, in his Yankee career. He had a 253 batting average in his Yankee career. His entire career is 248, so it was a little, little bit higher as a Yankee, but of course he was the prime of his career was with the Yankees. Um, and in his entire Yankee career, he had an OPS plus, which is on base plus slugging adjusted, um, was 114. And um, in his regular season career, OPS plus was 110. So it was about the same. I mean, it wasn't much different than uh, a little bit lower, but um, which kind of makes sense considering his prime years were with the Yankees, and um, and he had some of his 
so he had some good years, I think, with the Indians, too, if you look back at some of his numbers. And even the year, I think, the Padres went to the World Series, he wasn't, I was 84, I think. Um, he, he didn't have a bad year there. After that, it kind of got, uh, um, you could tell the injuries or age or whatever it was, was was just catching up to him. But anyways, he still had a great career. Um, uh, he had eight seasons of 20-plus home runs or more, and 11 home runs and, and, and 11 um, seasons of 20 plus or more home runs and 22 seasons uh, like in his, throughout his whole career. So, I mean, um, but in, he had eight seasons of 20 plus or more home runs just with the Yankees. And um, so I think that's that's pretty that's pretty remarkable considering he played 11 seasons with the Yankees. Um, and uh, and he had eight, uh, two seasons of, of uh, 32 home runs and 37 home runs. I believe there were 76 and 7. Well, we're going to get to that. Uh, he led the league in home runs in 1976, 32. Best seasons were from 1975 to 1978. He had two seasons at 32. He had two seasons with um, home run totals in the 30s, um, 32 and 37. He led the league in home runs in 1976 at 32. Um, he, his best seasons were from 1975 to 1978. His most consistent season was 1978, where he hit 276, 128 OPS plus, um, which is well above average. It's very good. Um, 27 home runs that year, 93 RBIs. 1977, that's the year he hit 37 home runs, had 107 RBIs, 255 batting average, 124 OPS plus. So you can see the OPS plus pretty much stays the same. But the next year, uh, well, the year before, actually, Kind of going backwards. 1976 was when he hit 32 home runs, led the league, like I said, 93 RBIs that year, and he had an OPS plus of 135, so it was a little bit higher that year. But typically, he seems like he he was above average at getting on base and, of course, slugging too, because that was his job to drive in runs. He was usually in the middle of the Yankee lineup. I think he hit behind Thurman usually, because Thurman was usually number two or number three, depending on when they had Reggie, I believe. Um, anyways, uh, after like the 83 season, because, um, after, after the 83 season, the 83 season, he had a pretty good year. Um, he had some, uh, he had, before that he had some so-so years and I guess, uh, after the 83 season, that's when he was traded to the Padres because they were going to platoon him and he didn't want to be platooned. He felt like he could hit left-handed pitching, but, um, because of the so-so seasons before the 83 season, uh, it, it kind of. I guess they thought that maybe uh, time was not on his side anymore. But anyways, he did go on, like I said, to, to the Padres and ended up helping them get to a World Series. And, and you know, they, they did very well. Um, anyways, moving on to the postseason, he helped the Yankees, like I said, to two World Series titles. He was a clutch fielder. And actually, you don't really hear that term a lot because – Usually when you think of a clutch player, you think of a clutch hitter. Um, but sometimes players can be clutch in the field too, especially Greg Nettles. Like in 1978, for instance, like if, um, I guess Ron Guidry uh, even said that he would purp he purposely wanted to, wanted to make them hit the ball to, uh, to uh, uh, Nettles in the, at third base. So he would make sure he threw them pitches that, he knew that they would pull over to third base, whether it was on the inside part 
outside part or however their swing was and stuff. And but anyways, especially like if he didn't have his best slider or his, if he wasn't locating his pitches right, um, he would make a point to pitch them in a way that they would be able to hit the ball to third base and Nettles would be able to just get to it. Because if it was if it was in Nettles, if the ball was hit into anywhere within Nettles' reach, which was you know he's a, he, he had a lot of range. Um, then he was going to make the play. They actually, I think people have even mentioned that Greg Nettles, or people have seen him play, have mentioned that Greg Nettles was the Brooks Robinson of the Yankees, which is a very high praise for anybody. Um, and uh, and actually, I believe even Cleet Boyer himself said that Greg Nettles might have been a little bit better than him defensively. And that's also high praise because from what I've heard, Cleet Boyer was a hell of a defensive third baseman. Um, in his postseason career, anyway, he played 53 games. This is in his entire postseason career. 182 at bats, five home runs, 27 RBIs, and had a 225 batting average. Um, he was the ALCS MVP in 1981. Um, he he uh, basically he took over that series against the Oakland A's, and that was against his former manager, or the Yankees' former manager, um, Billy Martin. Um, he played in all three games in that series, 12 at bats. Was uh, he hit 500, two doubles, one home run on nine RBIs? So I mean, he was phenomenal. Um, and um, then obviously they went on to the World Series. Um, but in, then in the 1976 ALCS game three, he had a go-ahead single in the sixth inning, and then game four, he had two home runs and three RBIs. It was two for four that game. Um, and in 1978 ALCS. Um, against the Kansas City Royals, Game 4 was 2-for-3 with a game-tying home run in the second inning. The Yankees went on to win 2-1. to one. Um, Game 1 of the 1981 ALCS, he had a three-run double in the first inning, and the Yankees won 3-1. to one. Game 2, 4-for-4 four four uh, with a home run, three RBIs. Game 3, he had three a three-run home run in the top of the ninth, for insurance runs, and the Yankees obviously swept the series against the Oakland A's, like I had mentioned before. And that's the same series, like I said, um, that he hit 500 uh, for that series. And obviously, that's why he won the ALCS MVP. Anyways, like, even though they didn't win that World Series in 81, he still was the reason they got to the World Series. Um, and anyways, Greg Nettles is definitely, definitely at the top of the fi top five Yankee third baseman. Um, list at least in my in my book. Anyways, moving on, we have number thirteen, Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez or A Rod? I mean, obviously everyone knows him as A Rod. Um, so I'll probably refer to him as A Rod mostly. Uh, he obviously he was a shortstop coming up with the Seattle Mariners, going on moving on to Texas, and then had to transition to third base. And actually, Greg Nettles was the guy that actually helped uh, A Rod. At third base and um, spring training in Tampa in 2004, and I guess um, I guess he even said that he didn't have to show A Rod a whole lot because A Rod caught on a lot. I guess he was he's very A Rod is uh, obviously as most I'm sure I've, most people know them. You know A Rod's he's a baseball rat. He he loves baseball. He eats, breathes, and sleeps baseball. I'm sure. And anyways, um, so obviously uh, that was a tough transition for anyone to make and to have someone like Greg Nettles though um, to be able to absorb that information and I, I'm sure A-Rod, I'm sure that was a 
uh, that was also that was great for someone like A Rod to have to have somebody to learn from someone like Greg Dennels. Um and he A Rod really became just f- from my from seeing him play, um, like he really became a very good defensive third baseman. He never won a Gold Glove. I mean, I I guess he probably uh, comparing him. I think it might be unfair to compare him to a guy like Greg Nettles or Fleet Boyer or maybe or guys like that, just because they're those guys had played their their whole careers. However, I don't I wouldn't compare him to Greg Nettles because I feel like Greg Nettles was the best defensive third baseman the Yankees have ever had. Because um, just looking back at the highlights that I've seen of him and and Cleet Boyer, even too. Um, I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of Cleet Boyer's highlights, but from what I've heard, and, uh, and I have seen a few highlights here and there. If you go on YouTube and stuff, you can find some stuff. But um, but I uh, I would say Arod ranks among the top defensively, but maybe not the top. But anyways, he was still a hell of a third baseman, and um, and I I would say definitely say he was the best offensive third baseman the Yankees have ever had. Um, probably a little bit better than Greg Nettles anyway. If Greg Nettles used to be the best offensive third baseman the Yankees ever had, then it was A-Rod. But, um, but I, I still think that Nettles actually, I didn't realize, I actually thought Nettles was much more of a power hitter, kind of more of an all-or-nothing hitter. But I, looking at his numbers, he's not that much of an all-or-nothing hitter. Um, like If you think of an all-or-nothing hitter, I would think of someone that just strikes out a lot. Nettles, I'm sure, struck out his fair share, but... I think it seems like he got on base um, at a pretty good clip. He must have been a pretty disciplined hitter to some extent anyway. But anyways, moving on. Uh, A-Rod played from uh, from 2004 with the Yankees to 2007. A-Rod played 154 or more games, and including he had 162 games played in 2005, which is, is remarkable because not many players do that nowadays. Um well, I mean, it's not really the players' fault. I guess sometimes the you know the front office, the manager, they don't really want their players playing 162 because you know when they're pl- when they're making that much money, they don't want their players to get hurt and you know because things happen on the field and and maybe the players don't want to play that many games. I, I I don't really don't know, but anyways, just the fact to see somebody do that, um, play that many games, is a uh, is is pretty remarkable. Um, and of course, you know, A-Rod did have the PEDs and, and, um, you know, that kind of puts a stain on his career. At least in my, not in my view, he d- it does kind of, but, you know, I still think that A-Rod did not, he definitely didn't need PEDs. Like he was going to be on his way to a Hall of Fame career with, with, or, um, without, uh, PEDs. He didn't need it at all. Um, another th- fact about A-Rod is he is sixth on the Yankees home run list. Um, and also, he uh, is actually uh, on the top 10 list, of course. Uh, 351 home runs in his Yankee uh, career. And, of course, he is fourth on the um, the all-time home run list, of course. 696 home runs he had um, in his entire major league career with the Seattle Mariners, Yankees, and the Texas Rangers. Um, he led the league in slugging percentage with the Yankees three times. OPS, which is on-base plus slugging, twice with the Yankees and he also led the league twice with the with on base plus slugging adjusted um, um so so I mean he he definitely had his fair share of accolades with the Yankees he won obviously he won uh two MVPs 2005 and 2007 although maybe a little tainted because of the um you know the PED use but like I said he really didn't need that to be 
player he needed to be. I mean, obviously, he probably wouldn't have had the 57 home runs that he had in, I think, 2003 or, you know, um, 54 home runs. I think it was in 07 or 05. But, like, he still was a great baseball player. So I'm just uh, – I just wanted to mention how much he really doesn't need – didn't need the PEDs. He was going to be – he was a great player regardless. Um, another thing about A-Rod, too, which is pretty remarkable, is the consistency, like I had mentioned, with how many games he played, but also the numbers that he put up during that time. Like, he had 30 and 100, um, 30 home runs and 100 RBIs a season from 2004 with the Yankees to 2010. Um, to, so to have that many home runs and that many RBIs a season, that's that's pretty remarkable, too. Um, that's a long time. Um, and then... He, uh, after that, 2011 to 2014, or really 2013, because 2014 was the year he was suspended. Um, those years, he kind of was hampered by injuries and stuff, too, so that probably hurt him there. However, um, I think age was starting to become an issue, too, and some of the injuries from before in the in the past, probably, with because he had, he had some knee injuries, hip injuries, so it was starting to catch up, and maybe PEDs was part of that, because they say that, uh, the the more you do PEDs, I guess the it starts to ruin your, it it can affect your your affect your body, affects your like the injury. It causes injury sometimes. Anyway, so he was suspended in 2014, obviously, uh, and at first he really did not handle it well at all. Obviously, obviously as everyone knows, um, and he he just uh, was very defiant about it. But then something must have clicked, I guess, and. He just started to take it better, and and he seemed like he seemed like he started. He seemed like he was a little bit different. But anyway, so in 2015, he was 39 years old, missed a full season. Um, you know, 2013, 12, and 11 were not his best of years. And then to come back after missing a full season at 39 years old, and he still put up some very good numbers. I mean, there weren't quite like you were like you're used to seeing, but. He ended up hitting 250 with a hundred in 151 games, hit three uh, 356 on base percentage, and had an OPS of 129. And I believe he also had a, um, about 30 home runs or so. So I mean, again to do that, um, hit another 30 home run season at the age of 39 after missing a full season, that's pretty remarkable. Um, and obviously. By then, he was already a designated hitter. I mean, he had missed a full season. He had a, had quite a few injuries. Um, so, I mean, just to have that last really good year, um, it, it just kind of showed how 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 you can come back from from from. He kind of just he was he became. I think Arod the way he handled it better showed that he kind of became more of a uh, more of a human side to him. Like he showed that he 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 could he would come back and. He wasn't afraid to come back and just be more, uh, like more real, I guess. But moving on to some of A Rod's postseason numbers. Obviously, we know A Rod, um, 2009. That was that's what he would be remembered for the most because that's that's when he really delivered. Obviously, helped deliver the Yankees a World Series championship, um, which was the only World Series they were in with A Rod on the team. Um, however, in 2004, I was surprised. I kind of forgot how good he was before uh, the ALCS game. Around ALCS game four, somewhere around there, that game was the last game that he really performed all right in. And then after that, he really just 
didn't do well at all. Maybe I guess the pressure. I, I don't know. But postseason's hard. It's a completely different animal. New York City. And when he was in Seattle too, I remember him. He he was a really good. He seemed to be a really good postseason uh, player. But anyways, in his career, he ended up hitting 259. Um, had a 365 on base percentage, 13 home runs, 41 RBIs, and he played in 70 games in the postseason, 278 at bats, and 77 strikeouts. Um, and I was kind of surprised by the strikeouts because I would have expected expected to have seen more strikeouts because it seemed like he did strike out a lot, especially in that era between 04 and I guess 07. Um, but in, anyways, I guess maybe sometimes the strikeouts can be skewed a little bit because sometimes sometimes it can seem like someone's always striking out like a lot but it's not necessarily um anyways the best he ever played in the postseason was in the alcs games actually um he actually hit 295 had a 409 on base percentage um seven home runs in the alcs and 18 rbis in his last game for seattle in the postseason, which actually against the Yankees, which I kind of found interesting. Um, that was in 2000, of course, in the ALCS, Game 6. And actually, he had a home run in that series. It was 4 for 5, hit two RBIs, and um, and the obviously the Yankees ended up winning that game and moving on to the World Series to face the Mets. And another series that he, or another game in another series, 2004, Game 2 against the Twins, the Yankees won the game, obviously in 12 innings, seven to six. Uh, a Rod was four for six in that game, had three RBIs, had a go ahead of home run in the fifth inning, a tying RBI double um, to score Derek Jeter, and uh, also in the 12th inning. Uh, actually, the tying RBI double was in the 12th inning, and um, then later on in that same inning, Matsui had a game-winning uh, sacrifice fly to score Derek Jeter, and and that's uh, so he had a couple big hits in that series and um 2004 game three against the twins um oh, actually, no, 2004 game three against the red sox he was three for five um he had three rbis a home run two doubles and obviously that was the 19 to 8 game but he was a big part of it i believe he actually scored the first run of the game for the yankees uh drove in the first run of the game um with an rbi double um and then game four of the 2004 ALCS. Um, he had a two-run home run off of Derek Lowe, which gave the Yankees an early lead and a lead that would have, um, you know, brought the Yankees took a, took the Yankees to another World Series, but it just wasn't meant to be. So, but anyways, and then after that, it's kind of interesting because after Game Four of 2004, that's when A Rod's numbers in the postseason really took a took a big hit until like 2000 2009, um, which was really the best postseason of his entire career if you take out what he did in Seattle, because um, he did did have some good numbers in Seattle in the postseason. But I just figured I'd kind of focus more on the Yankees, his time with the Yankees in the postseason. And, you know, uh, he has some big hits with the Yankees. Like, even if you go into 2009, um, obviously he had quite a few big hits there. Some of them were uh, ALDS against the Twins, same as 2004. Game 2, he had a two-run home run off of Joe Nathan to tie the game. And then, and that was in the ninth inning. And then later in the game, obviously in the eleventh inning, Mark Teixeira hits a home run off of Jose Maharis to win the game, as I had mentioned in my top five first basemen's episode. And obviously they won on that Teixeira home run, but A Rod tied it up against Nathan in the ninth. And at the time, Joe Nathan he was a he was a great closer. And then game three of that same series, 
against the Twins. He tied the game in the, uh, I believe it was, I believe oh, it was in the seventh inning. Uh, he had a home run off of Carpovano. It was a two-run shot. Um, so uh, that's another big home run there. Um, and then 2009 in the American League Championship Series in Game 2, bottom of the 11th, he had a solo home run off of Brian Fuentes. He was the closer for the Angels, um, and they tied it at 3. And then in Game 4, um, the Yankees won 10-1. to uh, but he went three for four with three RBIs or two RBIs actually, and um, and that was on a two-run home run. So he was a big part of that ALCS against the Angels, Game Four and Game Two, and then World Series Game Three, 2009, two-run home run in the fourth inning off of the Phillies starting pitcher Cole Hamels hit the ball to right field uh, in Philadelphia. You probably remember the ball that hit the camera. Um, I think it was. I think it was by the uh, the right field foul pole or somewhere around there, uh, but I remember that. And game four against the Phillies in Citizens Bank Park, and he had a go ahead RBI double. It was the same issues he scored Johnny Damon, who previously had stolen second base, and um, he actually stole third base on the same exact steal. He, uh, I guess, the Phillies were shifting um, the infield, so nobody was covering third base. And the ball got away. Johnny Damon immediately noticed, got up, and then then ran down to third base. So, um, and then the next, uh, the next batter, uh, A. Rod, got an RBI double. So, so that's basically most of uh, A. Rod's most clutch moments. Obviously, he probably had a few more than that too, but um, those are a lot of them right there. And A. A. Rod was a great player. Had a great, had a lot of contributions to his Yankees career. in his, or in his Yankees career, so he's definitely worthy of being on this list and probably being re- near the top or at the top. And moving on, we're going to go on to Red Rofe. Red Rofe was a uh, played ten seasons with the New York Yankees, and I believe like around the nineteen thirties to nineteen forties or so. His real name was Robert Robert Rofe, but they called him Red, um, and he was known as Red, left-handed hitter. Through right-handed, he was a table setter, number two hitter in the lineup. He was a New Hampshire resident, actually, and he actually went to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. Um, also, in his career, he had 4,827 at bats, 1,894 hits, so almost 2,000, um, 69 home runs. He wasn't much of a home run hitter. He had a 289 batting average, 497 RBIs. A 360 on base percentage and a 99 OPS plus. So I mean, he he was pretty much right around the league average with um on base plus slugging adjusted, um, and uh so he was, but like I said, he was a table setter, and that was kind of his job to get on base for the guys behind him like Joe DiMaggio and uh Lou Gehrig, and guys like that. He debuted in 1931 at 22 years old, and then after that, he actually went to the minor leagues. In 32 and 33, and he played for their Class A, Class Double A team, um, the Newark Bears in Newark, New Jersey, for the Independent League. And actually, there he played with a starting pitcher, Spud Chandler. Um, and Spud Chandler ended up going on to play with the Yankees later on in his career as well. 1934, he was back for good, and he actually ended up playing 80, 89 games that year, hit 287, 348 on base percentage. And he was 25 years old at that point. So 
Um, he was a little bit older when he got his start, but he's, he still played had a good-sized career, 20, 10 years in the big leagues, and all with the Yankees, too. Uh, his breakout year was 1935, the very next year. Played 149 games, 639 at-bats, five home runs, 67 home RBIs. So he really wasn't much of a power hitter. Um, but he did hit 300 that year, had a 361 on-base percentage and an OPS of 102. So just above league average, but still right around average, I guess. Maybe a little bit more. But um, anyways, he had 10 or more home runs four times in his career. And um, I guess considering he was... I mean, he was a left-handed hitter, so considering he really wasn't a power hitter. Um, but, I mean, I guess 10 home runs for a table setter is kind of it's pretty good amount. But, I mean, that wasn't his job anyway. He wasn't, I'm sure he wasn't trying to, it wasn't some. I mean, maybe sometimes he was trying, but, like, depending on the situation. But mostly his job was to get on base. Um, but anyways, he had 15 triples from 1936. Uh, in 1936, and that led the league um, that year. It's just a lot of triples, and I guess part of that could have been, you know, him. Got to, he was playing, and obviously he played in uh, Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, which I think was like 475 to deep left field, or actually deep left center field, and that's where they called Death Valley. And um, I believe at the time they had uh, the three monuments, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, um, and I think Miller Huggins. Or it might have came a little bit after, but anyways, that uh, Death Valley was was a uh, humongous, and it was probably where triples went to die. I believe they called it. Um, anyways, nineteen thirty six was another one of his better years. He had three nineteen that year. Played in one hundred and thirty five games, five hundred sixty eight at bats, had one hundred and twenty OPS plus. Um, and another thing about him is uh, he had three seasons of. When he was in the top five in defensive war, and and those were in 1935, 36, and 39. So he was obviously he must have been in the top one of the top defensive third basemen as well to be in the top ten in defensive war in those years of 35, 36, and 39. Um, his best season was probably I would say I guess 1939. He was 30 years old that year. Played 152 games, 648 at bats. Um, nine, uh, 14 home runs, 80 RBIs, led the league in hits, 213 hits, 139 runs scored, doubles, 46, and OPS plus 130. That was his career high. So he led the league in all all of those categories, hits, runs, doubles, and OPS plus. Um, and again, 130 OPS plus is well above league average and getting on base and slugging and and um. So he, he was definitely doing his job as a table setter in the Yankee lineup. And again, 130 for OPS plus was his career high. And his 6.6 6 .6 was his wins above replacement. So, I mean, I, war typically, I don't really look at war too much because um, it's kind of an imperfect stat, I guess. That's what they say anyway. But it kind of does show just how many, it's, it's basically meant to show how many wins someone supposed to have above like a, a replacement player somebody else that it would be at third base um so it's, he wasn't just a guy they could just replace obviously um so anyways uh i just thought that was interesting he was a four-time all-star red roof uh red roof also his highest on base percentage was 404 in 1939 um and red roof never struck out more than 53 times in his career 
in at least 154 games. Um, and he led the league that year, 1937, 741 plate appearances when he struck out 53 times. So that's kind of just kind of shows how good he was at getting on base and and trying to do whatever he could to help his team and help the guys in back of him drive him in so he can be on base. Um, anyways, in his postseason career, he helped the Yankees win five World Series titles. They won four World Series in a row, of course, from 1936 to 39. Uh, in, in his career in the postseason, he played 28 games, 116 at-bats, had a 284 batting average, 336 on-base percentage, 6 RBIs, and 39 total bases. His best series was in 1936, 1937, 1941, and 1942. Um, and in 1936 in the World Series against the New York Giants, Game 2, he was 2-4 for four with an RBI, um, and he also had two walks that Game 2. The Cubs, 1938 World Series Game 3, he had a go-ahead RBI single in the fifth inning off of Clay Bryant, and um, he was 1-4 for four that game as well with an RBI led the game for good after that. So, I mean, he had some big hits as well. Um, maybe not as many as, like, even A-Rod in uh, 2009, anyway. He did have a very good career and definitely definitely worthy of being in the top five, for sure. Anyways, moving on, we have another guy to talk about. This guy actually played a little bit before um, Fred Rofe. He actually played in the 20s and actually he even played a little bit in the teens. 1917, he started. Joe Dugan, or Joe Dugan, um, he was a right-handed hitter, played shortstop and second base as well, actually, but mostly third base, at least with the Yankees anyway. He actually went to the College of Holy Cross. His nickname was Jumping Joe from his days with the Philadelphia A's, who I think he started with. And I guess he said later on in his life, somebody had asked him why they called him Jumping Joe, and they, he said it was because, I guess, he used to jump the club, which meant, I guess, uh, back in those days... Um, if he, because he used to leave the clubhouse, and they would, they would just, they, they, I guess he just would leave, and then they called him Jumping Joe or something like that. But anyways, he's, I guess he just wasn't a fan of Philadelphia or the A's and the organization and stuff. So that's probably why he ended up getting traded, obviously. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. Just a fun little fact I saw online. Anyways, he was and ended up getting traded to the Red Sox, and then of course. Uh, very quickly, he got traded to the Yankees, I believe, in the same season, too. Um, uh, so he was also considered as one of the best defensive third basemen of his day. Um, actually, you think even one of the best third basemen, because I don't think infielders were considered, um, like, there was there weren't always great, because uh, that was before, you know, that was even before uh, really Babe Ruth became what he became. He hadn't really gotten to the 60 home runs yet. So, I mean, um, offensive players at that time were a little bit different. Um, for somebody to hit 30, 40 home runs, that wasn't really something that was something that was that was considered like 50 or 60 home runs today, I guess. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, he played from 1917 to 1929. Uh, Joe Dugan in his career had played seven seasons with the New York Yankees. In his Yankees career, he had 785 games played. 3,043 at-bats, 22 home runs, 316 RBIs, 280 batting average, and 82 on-base plus slugging adjusted. So it was he had a below average on-base plus slugging, but he really wasn't a, wasn't a slugger or anything, even though he did 
well, I mean, this is his entire career, but he he did get on base, but he wasn't. It was that was his job mostly, kind of like um, uh, Red Rofe. Um, however, Dugan was. I think he hit lower in the lineup, but of course, when he played, you know, there was Babe Ruth, um, Earl Coons, and so th- there there were a lot of really good hitters in, that, in his lineup too. Um, anyways, uh, he hit at least two hundred and sixty nine. Joe Dugan hit at least 269 every year in New York, and his highest uh, batting average was 302 in New York in 1924. Uh, Dugan was the only um, he Dugan only played 146 or more games twice in his career. He never hit more than 10 home runs in his career. Led the league in at bats in 1923, 644 at bats that year. Um, and in, in the postseason, Joe Dugan helped the Yankees to three World Series titles, and they went to five World Series in his tenure with the Yankees. He was also part of, of course, the Murderers Row Yankees um, with Ruth and Gehrig and Tony Lazzari. Uh, in his career, he played 25 games in the postseason, 90 at-bats, had one home run, eight RBIs, 267 batting average, 305 on base, and 33 total bases. So, I mean, he wasn't the best uh, postseason hitter, but, I mean, just because... Is the batting average doesn't always tell the whole story. He did have a f- have a few good games. Um, his probably his best game was 1923 game five. He was four for five with a home run, um, with three RBIs, and also um, in 1923, uh, that was probably his best series. Um, he played six games, 25 at bats, a home run, five RBIs, and he hit 280 that year. Um, so I mean, he had a he had a very good he had a very good postseason that year. Obviously, with, especially with Game Five being four for five home run, and um, home runs were typically something that he really didn't he didn't really hit a lot of home runs. Game One in 1923, in uh, 1923 they played the Giants in the World Series, the New York Giants. He uh, hit a game tying RBI triple in the seventh inning, uh, and also Game Five again of the 1923 World Series. He was four for five, like I said. The, th- the three RBIs and the Yankees ended up winning that game. And in that game, he actually hit an inside the park home run. It was a three-run home run at Yankee Stadium as well. So, um, again, probably because uh, Yankee Stadium, uh, Death Valley. I don't know if where he hit it. Maybe I would assume it might have been Death Valley, but maybe it wasn't. But th- th- again, they said that that was tri- where triples went to die. But anyways, George Hogan is definitely another guy I kind of have to consider to be on this list of the top five Yankees of all time. And another guy is Scott Brocious, of course, who most people already kind of know about because, you know, he really didn't play that long ago. Um, played four seasons with the New York Yankees, 540 games in his tenure with the Yankees, 1,901 at-bats, uh, 65 home runs, 282 RBIs, had a 331 on base percentage, and a 96 OPS plus so he was a better hitter than Joe Dugan was and um maybe about the same as a uh, red row he went to one all-star game of course with the Yankees in 1998 that was his, that was probably the best year he ever had in his entire career because he really before he before Scott Brosters came to the Yankees he was not known as a offensive player he was known for his defense but when he came to the Yankees he really stepped it up a notch especially in 98 but in the other years too he really he did well with the Yankees um, and all four seasons, even though he only played four seasons, he stepped up, and especially in 98. 98, actually, his numbers were, he hit 300 that year. Uh, Brochus also played in 152 games, 
530 at bats, which was with, which actually led the league. Um, he had 19 home runs in 19, 1998, and actually he had 98 RBIs, which is 1998. So it's kind of funny. Anyways, his OPS plus on base plus slugging adjusted was 121, so it was well above average. Um, and at, he had at least 13 home runs every year in his Yankees career. So I mean. Um, he, had, he was very consistent. Um, obviously, 1998 was his best year by far with the Yankees, but his other years weren't bad considering he, he was mostly known for his defense. Um, and he really gave the Yankees um, some pretty good offense. He was a good he was a good he was a good third baseman with the Yankees and he definitely had his best years with the Yankees and in the postseason he was even better he was he came through in the best like in the when the Yankees really needed a guy to come through with a big hit Scott Brosius was always ready um he helped the Yankees win four or actually three World Series titles 98 99 2000 and they went to obviously 2001 uh, and they went to four World Series he had played in 58 postseason games in his career 196 at bats, 245 average, eight home runs, 30 RBIs, and 82 total bases. So um, he played a lot of postseason games. Obviously, mostly all, or it might have been all, with the Yankees. I'm not positive on that. If he, I don't know, I don't think he played any with the A's. I'm not positive though. Anyways, uh, his best playoffs, his best playoffs as a whole was definitely 1998, where he was the World Series MVP. 98, he hit in every single game in the playoffs. The only game that he did not get a hit was Game 3 of the American League Championship Series. That was the same game that Bartolo Colon of the Cleveland Indians, I believe, I don't know if he was a rookie, or, but he was a very young player. I think it might have been his second year in the league, and he ended up pitching a complete game. Um, I don't know if it was a shutout. He might have given up a run or two. He basically shut the Yankees down anyway. and uh, So no one really was getting money hits against him. But anyways, that was the only game that Scott Brosius didn't get a hit in 1998. And in the American League Division Series against Texas, he hit 400, had one home run, three RBIs. American League Championship Series against the Cleveland Indians, Scott Brosius hit 300, one home run, and six RBIs. And then in the World Series, like I said, he was the MVP of the World Series against the San Diego Padres, hit 471 with two home runs and six RBIs. And uh, his World Series numbers overall, um, I mean, he really stepped up when it mattered most. And his World Series numbers overall for all, you know, World Series, played 20 games, 70 at-bats, 314 batting average, four home runs, and 13 RBIs. Uh, actually, some of the games he played, Game 3 of the 98 World Series, he had a three-run home run off of Trevor Hoffman in the eighth. Um, they, I believe they later on and won that game. They, they won that game. And um, Game 5... 2001 World Series, he had a two-run home run off of Byung-Hung Kim, or Hung-Won Kim, I believe they, people would jokingly call him, I think. But anyways, uh, they were, the Yankees were down 2 nothing before that home run, and obviously you know they tied the game and went, up, went on to win the game in the 12th inning on an RBI single by Alfonso Soriano. And then in Game 3, going back a little bit, 2001 in the World Series, uh, he, uh, Scott Brosius hit a go-ahead RBI single in the sixth inning, um, and that's a lot of his. That's, that's definitely he's definitely a clutch hitter, and he was stepped up in the biggest moments and definitely worthy. Even though he only played four seasons with the Yankees, there were four really really good seasons with the Yankees. And moving on to another guy who had a very good Yankee career was Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs uh, helped the Yankees to one World Series, and when they won that World Series. 96. Um, they, he played five seasons with the Yankees. He had 
played in 601 games, 2,240 at-bats, 24 home runs, 246 RBIs, had a 313 batting average and a 396 on base percentage. His OPS plus was 112, which is well above average. I mean, and Boggs, you know, his best years were definitely with the Red Sox. He was a Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame player, mostly with the Red Sox. But he did, he had some very good years with the Yankees. Um, actually, the only year he did not hit 300 with the Yankees was 1997. And by that point, he was 39 years old, I think, already. And I think he had already kind of become more of a platoon player, um, you know, with Charlie Hayes. But from 93 to 97, he hit no less than 292, and that was in 97. Um, so that kind of says a lot about a guy that was older. And actually, 94 and 95 were the only two years he ever won the Gold Glove Award in his entire career, both with the Yankees. He had 11 home runs in 1994, the strike-shortened season. Um and that was his most as a Yankee. He also hit 342 in that year and had 142 OPS plus, which was his highest OPS since his days with the Red Sox, um, where he won, I think it was 12 batting titles or something like that. And he won, again, two gold gloves with the Yanks. He hit 302 every year except for 97. 1996 and 1997 with the Yankees, obviously were platoon years. Um, I believe the first half of 96, he was played more often but he was getting older he wasn't playing quite as well then then uh later i think from mid-season they got charlie hayes i believe and um that's when they started the platoon system uh and then uh you know that worked out even better because then they were able to rest Boggs a little bit more and charlie hayes kind of fit right in with the yankees and it was a perfect perfect situation and then to some of Boggs' postseason numbers with the yankees he doesn't have as many postseason games with the Yankees most of his postseason numbers are obviously with the Red Sox but his postseason numbers as a whole was he hit 273 337 on base had two home runs 16 RBIs only struck out 20 times and 154 at bats which is pretty remarkable um but again those numbers a lot of those are with the Red Sox um some of those with the Yankees too probably most of them are with the Red Sox 1995 American League Division Series game one uh, the Yankees versus the Mariners. Game one, I think, was it was in um, New York. And then uh, Wade Boggs hit a two-run home run off of Chris Basio. And the Yankees took a 2-0 lead. 1996 World Series, game four. He uh, took a walk in the 10th inning. And uh, actually, it was a pretty big walk at the time because I think the Yankees were down. Well, they had been down before that, but they were they were rallying in that year in 96. They really, that team really, like, they, they didn't really have a whole lot of, it wasn't like a 2009 year where they, Went out and previously got a lot of really talented players like Mark Teixeira, CC Sabathia, and even Nick Swisher, um, but like or even like Reggie Jackson. They had a lot of guys who just it was kind of more of a uh, a pass the baton type of year. Um, you know, obviously they had guys like Paul O'Neill, Bernie Williams, who had been, uh, they had given a chance and he had finally come started come through. And Bernie was as clutch as anybody, one of the most clutch players I think I've ever seen play in. Uh, Anyways, um, that that year, uh, it was just remarkable to see how the team just gelled and and it was just like they just passed the baton and Wade Boggs was very much a part of that and um, so yeah, he's definitely worthy of being in the top five Yankees of all time category. And moving on, before I get to the rankings, I just wanted to mention a few other guys. We got Bobby Brown, who I think should be mentioned. It's kind of like in an honorable mention category, I guess. 
Bobby Brown, um, they also called him Doc because later on he did become a doctor, Dr. Bobby Brown. Um, I believe he, he actually is still alive. He's 95 years old. Um, he's a left-handed hitter, or he was a left-handed hitter when he played. He uh, threw right-handed. He never played a full season, um, but I mean, he was mostly a role player, but he was a very, he was a good ball player, especially in the postseason. He was, he was clutch, helped the Yankees to four World Series titles in four years, or uh, in four series. Um, and of course, back then when he played, I don't think they didn't have a league championship series. Um, but in his regular season career, he hit well, though, even though he didn't play full season, he had a 279 batting average in his uh, regular season career. He had 100 OPS plus, which is league average, and a 367 on base percentage. So he had a pretty darn good career. Um, he was a clutch player in his career in the postseason. He hit 439 in 17 games, 41 at bats, nine RBIs, and only struck out three times. So, I mean, coming off the bench, especially in the postseason against the top pitching, that's going to be extremely difficult to do I can uh, I don't that's that's gonna be extremely difficult and not to strike out like that and uh I think eventually actually if you look at um like his postseason uh, game logs you'll see that he started they started starting him they must have started realizing how good he was in the postseason because they started starting him later on in his postseason career in the beginning he would get one at bat two at bats but he would come through like in 1947 World Series game six he had an RBI single off of Ralph Franca game seven he had an RBI double off of Hal Gregg, and both of those tied both of those games. And uh, obviously, they ended up winning that World Series in seven games. And then in 1949, um, in 1949 against the Brooklyn Dodgers, same team, game four, he started that game, went two for three, had a double and a triple and three RBIs. And, uh, and the next game he started as well, went three for four, two RBIs and a triple. And then in 1950, they faced the Philadelphia Phillies, um, Game four, he started that game, went one for three with a triple, RBI, and he had a tying RBI triple in the sixth inning, and the Yankees won the series. And uh, so, yeah, I, I was very surprised about Bobby Brown. I didn't know. I knew he was. A, he had to be a pretty good player because I had heard a lot about him. I knew he went to the old-timers day for quite a few years. And um, I, so I was just surprised. I didn't realize how good he was, especially in the postseason. And um, so he's another guy I wanted to mention. Another guy, one more guy, is Andy Carey, who was a right-handed hitter for the Yankees, California resident, uh, nine seasons with the Yanks. He was a career 266 hitter, 99 um, on-base plus slugging um, adjusted, which was about league average, or just below, I guess. He led the league in triples in 1955, and of course, you know, uh, Death Valley, Yankee Stadium. Where triples went to die. Uh, best seasons of his career was 1954 and 1958, I would say. He played 122 games in 1954. That was the most games he ever played. He was kind of a role type of player, kind of like Bobby Brown. But except that year, he did play kind of a full season, I guess. Uh, 411 at-bats. And, of course, in the 50s, you know, that's when Casey Stengel was the manager. Um, and he, he liked platooning players. Um, and kind of like he had that baseball mind, kind of like... Uh, Billy Martin. Anyways, uh, 1954 for Andy Carey. Played 122 games, like I said. Um, eight home runs, 65 RBIs. Hit 302 that year. And had a 121 OPS plus. Um, so, uh, had a good OPS plus, good on base. And, uh, you know, um, 1958, he had 102 games played. 315 at-bats, 12 home runs, and 45 RBIs. 
Uh, he had a 286 batting average and 136 OPS plus, which I think was the highest of his career anyway, um, at least in that many games. Um, so I mean, Andy Carey had a he had a good career, um, and I didn't realize I didn't realize uh, how good he was either. Um, anyways, in his postseason career, he helped the Yankees win two World Series titles. They went to four World Series. One of the uh, the 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 biggest hit I noticed that he had was an RBI single off a of Warren Spahn, and that was against the Milwaukee Braves, the 1957 World Series game one. Uh, Yankees ended up winning that game, but they lost the series. However, getting an RBI single off a of Warren Spahn, and that was at the time where I think they said uh, they had a, uh, a clever slogan. Uh, spawn insane, spawn insane, and pray for rain, with uh, Warren Spawn and Johnny Sane because those two guys were an incredible one-two punch. So they used to say, "Spawn insane, pray for rain." But he, this guy he got an RBI single off of Warren Spawn, uh, so to get a clutch hit off of one of the best pitchers in baseball had to be an incredible moment for him. Obviously, helping the Yankees win that game too, and um, and it was a close game. It was three to one, so it was definitely a big hit. Uh, but anyways, let's move on to the rankings. And the top five Yankees third baseman of all time, in my opinion, are number one, Greg Nettles. Number two, Alex Rodriguez. Number three, Red Rolf. Number four, Cleet Boyer. And number five, Wade Boggs. And Greg Nettles, I decided to choose him over A-Rod just because, I, because he was so great defensively. And he, I mean... I can see why he wasn't a Hall of Famer because I don't really. He probably his numbers probably are offensively. He's not. I, he, I wouldn't say he is a Hall of Famer, but defensively he was so good that I think it's kind of hard not to pick him. And even though Alex Rodriguez definitely, there's no one can deny he's got the best numbers in Yankee history at third base, no doubt. But I don't think he was the third baseman that Nettles was defensively. I don't think anybody really was, and I think it's unfair to compare them. But however, I think A-Rod, what he did going from shortstop to third base was extremely difficult, and he did a very good job at third base. He, and I think if it wasn't for PEDs, I probably would put him there. But, I mean, you can go back and forth. It's um, it's kind of a toss-up, in my opinion, between him and Nettles. Um, but anyways, I'm conf- I like I like Nettles, so I put him number one. Uh, A-Rod, number two. Then I got Red Rolf at number three. Red Rolf is a guy that I was kind of surprised by. I didn't realize how, how good he was offensively. Um, now I guess he was pretty good defensively considering his defensive war, um, how good he was for those uh, three seasons, 35, 36, and I think it was 37. Um, uh, he was in the top 10 in defensive war, like I mentioned before. Wade Boggs, um, again, Wade Boggs hit 300 every year, two, even hit 292 in uh, 1997, the year before he left uh, to go to Tampa Bay. Um but anyways, he also had some very good years. He had some clutch moments, I guess. But, I mean, they were toward the end of his career, too. But, I mean, he did help the Yankees win that World Series. And even though he was older, he still was a part of it. And he also was a very consistent player, too. And he did um, – he was – with the Yankees, anyway, he was a pretty darn good defensive uh, third baseman. I I wouldn't – like, 94 and 95, that's when the Yankees had Don Mattingly. So I'm sure having Don Mattingly at first base, I, w- I kind of wonder if that helped Wade Boggs out because, I mean, I don't know who he had at first base with the Red Sox, but it has to help any um, – because even when Don Mattingly was older in 94 and 95, he was still winning gold gloves. I think his last year he won a gold glove was 94. He won nine gold gloves, and he was one of the best first basemen even when he was hurt um, or even when he was playing through injuries. So that had to have helped him defensively. But still, to win a gold glove, they don't just give it to you. 
and Boggs was a very good baseball player. I mean, I kind of wanted to give it to uh, actually, I actually Boggs was number five. I, I'm sorry, because I actually was going to choose Boggs number four, but at the last second, I decided to go with Clute Boyer number four. But anyways. Either way, I was thinking about going with Brocious over Boggs. You think you could go either way because Brocious, um, and the reason why I didn't go with Brocious is because he only played four years. I mean, you could go back and forth on that. However, I just think that Boggs overall in the regular season was just a little bit better. Um, but I mean, it, it, you could, that's another toss-up, I think, between Boggs and Brocious. Cleet Boyer, I decided to go with him over Boggs and Brocious because of, um, you know, I just feel like defensively he was better than uh defensively he was definitely better than both of them uh, although Scott Brosis was very good defensively um so I mean I guess I I guess I would just have to go number five I'll go with uh Scott Brosis so I'm gonna go with Greg Nettles, A-Rod, Red Roof, Cleet Boyer, and uh Scott Brosis and that's my top five so what's your top five Yankee third baseman and Yankee history let me know on Twitter at Historic NYY also feel free to comment on Facebook at Historic Pinstripe Show and feel free to comment at, at Historic Pinstripes on Instagram or email us at historicpinstripes at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, everyone. And as always, go Yankees! Yeah.